Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Chasing Banners. This is episode 13, a.k.a. the Marcus Morris episode. And I'll tell you what, we could use a little bit of Marcus Morris on the Celtics right now. But my name is Dante Toro. You can follow me on Twitter at Dante on Deck there. You can find just about anything you need to know about me, all types of Celtics and NBA content. And I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Ryan Sheehan. Ryan, how's your day going? Uh, it was going great until, unfortunately, we had to receive some news that we're going to get into. But other than that, yeah, it was going great. Uh, I am uh, Sheehan. You can find me at 401 Sheehan on Twitter, where you can find all my talk about the Celtics and all the other things I get into there. But um, yeah, if you want to get into the unfortunate news, Dante, <sighs> you can start it out. With tears going down my eyes, I, I hate to say. There's I mean, actual tears going down his eyes, like you can see. I don't think you guys understand how upset I am right now. Gordon Hayward suffered a grade three ankle sprain, and he will be out four weeks for the Boston Celtics. Um, he injured it in the fourth quarter of game one against the Philadelphia 76ers, where they won 109-101. to 101. We'll get into that in a little bit, but this is just a bigger conversation to have. Um, four weeks is a long time, especially in the bubble with the playoffs right now because they can get by the Sixers. That's fine. I'm not worried about that. They have to go right into the series against Toronto right after this. And Toronto is Boston's biggest test. And I still think... I'm still as optimistic as ever. I still have faith in this team. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing that. I'm not changing my stance on that. It's just unfortunate, man, when you lose out on a guy that's averaging 30 plus minutes a game, 17 points, nearly five assists, multiple rebounds. You're losing a guy that has been stepping up for this team in the bubble that has been, you know, just all year long. I mean, we've seen basically a resurgence of Gordon Hayward from his from his injury a few years ago last year, not being his best year in the world, obviously. And this year, he just really started to turn things around. And we finally had a healthy roster going into the playoffs. Everyone was good to go. And this happens. It's just like Gordon Hayward – Dude has to be the unluckiest player in the NBA, at least over the past few years. I'm gonna read For I'm gonna sure. read I'm gonna read this to you. Before he came to Boston, Gordon Hayward played in 72, 66, uh, these are games, by the way, 72 games, 66 games. That was a lockout season. 72, 77, 76, 80, and 73 games. Barely missed any time in Utah. And he comes to Boston, obviously just destroys his leg game one, misses the season, comes back last year, just doesn't look anything like himself, just not there mentally. And then this year, just, you know, he's had a few injuries throughout the year, but he really looked like a Gordon, the Gordon Hayward we were used to seeing when he was in Utah. Maybe not the numbers, not numbers aren't the same, but as the fourth option averaging over 17 points, just he was just so essential to this team, and 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 Ryan, I, I'll I, I want you to get your thoughts on them on this because your day went from great to to sad and sorrowful. 
um, it, it's just unfortunate, man. I mean, like I said, I'm so optimistic with the team and what they can do, but this is just like a slap in the face. Yeah. Uh, besides school bringing down my mood, honestly, having to stay home for that, uh, the Gordon Hayward news had to make it even worse on this beautiful day. It is a, it is um, a beautiful day, isn't it? No, it, it is. No, I'm not going to lie. It is. Like, I think I'd rather be outside right now um, for sure. But I like doing this, so that's why I'm in here. But, <laughs> you know, in Gordon Hayward's world, it doesn't look like this right now, though. And, like, mm. a Celtics fan's world, like, outside does not exist. It's, it's gloomy. It's glum, all that stuff. I've talked about it many times with you before, and even before we did this pod about, you know, the Gordon Hayward situation and his injuries racking up. Uh, before he got to Boston, he was worth that contract. Everyone knows that, or most people know that. I know a lot of people they try should to know argue. That. Yeah, they should know that. They try to argue it, but he was worth every penny of that contract. And now he comes to Boston, and ever since that injury, it's become tough to, like, you know, just, like, stand by the guy, not even because it's his fault, but because of the injury. And what I've been arguing for a while is that I can't, see this guy being a part of Boston's future for much longer after the year he picks up the player option because he can't last on the floor. And that's now at the point where in the postseason where we need him the most and he's not going to be there because of another injury. And it's nothing against him at all. But we cannot have a guy on our team that is always going to be hurt when he's making that much money when we rely on him that much. And losing him now, that's a lot of minutes to make up. That's 30-plus minutes to make up in the game. Like, you either have to have Marcus Smart stepping up or someone off the bench is going to have to do some work. And coming off the bench is just I, – I don't know what we're going to do with that bench. There's not a lot of scoring coming off of it anyways. Yeah. So there's, there's something to figure out with them uh, currently. And in the future, there's something to really consider there. So, do you think what? Who do you think should take Hayward's spot spot in the starting lineup? I feel like Marcus Smart is an easy answer because throughout the year, when we've, whenever we've had injuries, Marcus Smart has been the guy to step into the lineup and you know just fill whatever role he needs to he needs to fill. That's what Marcus Smart does. But I don't know if Marcus Smart should be the one taking the starting spot honestly, because the bench is weak enough as it is. And I don't know if we can sacrifice taking Marcus Smart off the bench and putting him into the starting lineup. Cause I, I think that would just really hurt the bench. I, I hate to say it. I really do because I do not want this to happen, but we've gotten to a point where this is probably going to have to happen. We are probably going to have to start either Samuel Ojale or Grant Williams. I hate it yeah. because I am, We've talked about Semi Ojale. Talked about him last week. Good guy. Great defender. Huge. Big muscles. Has not gotten better <laughs> big since muscles. he's been. <laughs> big muscles. Has not gotten better since he's been in the league. Just kind of has always been in limbo. Just like. He's just there. He's just there. And then Grant like, Williams. Congrats. Like, he made it to the league. Yeah. Now I'm it, not going to improve it's anymore. It's like he doesn't – he <laughs> just needs to be a 3 and D guy, and he can barely hit threes. I mean, he has a good percentage, but it's just like you watch it, and it's just like you don't want him on the court. And Grant Williams just 
was out of the rotation in the bubble. Like he just found his way out of the rotation because he wasn't playing good. And then last night when Hayward comes out, Grant Williams got minutes and he actually looked okay. He made a few good hustle plays. He was diving on the floor, getting offensive rebounds. And if, if we're going to go, if we got to go down that route, that's just what we're going to have to see more. We're just going to have to see that every game from him. He's a rookie. And I know it's going to be tough as a rookie to step up. And especially in a moment like this, when you're down one guy, you're down a very essential part of this team. And you're being asked to fill that, not fill that role of doing what he does. Cause obviously Grant Williams can't do what Gordon Hayward does, but he needs to fill that role and just bring production into the starting lineup or at least off the bench, whatever Brad Stevens decides to go with. Um, but who do you, who do you see uh, stepping up or filling that starting position uh, in place of Gordon Hayward going forward? Well, it would be really nice if we could t- continue to have uh, Rob Williams come off the bench mm-hmm. and kind of fill in those minutes for Daniel Tice. So I don't really want to see that happen because if we do, then you're going to put Tice at the four most likely and you're going to keep Rob at the five. Um, also, Grant Williams, I don't know if you can even put him there. Like I'm looking at the roster right now and you're going to have Kemba, Jalen, uh, and then you're going to have to fill the, the wingman and then Jason and Tice. So if it comes down to that wingman, you're either putting in uh, semi Ojale or you push Jalen to the wingman and put Marcus Smart in. So it really comes down to semi Ojale at that point starting the game because if you want to keep the bench with Marcus Smart, you're going to have to put in semi. Uh, Javante Green, I don't see it happening. Romeo Langford. I mean, I don't see him starting in that position. Uh, and then, yeah, that's really it. I mean, Brad Wanamaker's the backup point. He's not going to start. Uh, Ennis Cantor. Um, <laughs> I, I want that guy. I don't. Court yeah, I like he comes up big at points, but like he's gonna he's gonna hurt the rhythm of the team. So I guess you're right. It does come down to really semi Ojale. And if you want, you have Rob Williams start at the five, but then that's really hurting your rotation because then you got really no big. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it looks like it comes down to semi. You brought his name up, and I agree with you that this is probably unlikely, and it's like mo- probably not going to happen. I-, I-, I, also, I think Brad Stevens might play around a little bit in this series and kind of throw in a few different guys in the starting lap and just see what works. But Romeo Langford, honestly – might get some some good run. He only started a handful of games this year, but I really would not mind seeing him start at least a game and just seeing how it works because Romeo Langford, he's not going to put up 17 points in place of Hayward. That's just that's going to be a team effort right there. But what he can do is be put into a lineup, the starting lineup in this in this uh in this topic in this uh situation, and he doesn't need to touch the ball to be effective. All he needs to do is just be a solid contributor on the offensive and obviously be the the fantastic defender that he is and just kind of like be put in the right situations, right place at right time. He's, he's perfect in that. He, whenever he scores, it's just kind of like he gets offensive rebounds. He gets put, he gets put back. He gets put in the right position by his teammates. Um, I could definitely see Romeo Langford getting a surprise start. Um, listen, a few years ago with the Isaiah Thomas Celtics, when the team was down 0-2 against Chicago, Gerald Green came out of the woodworks and he started for us. And that was like what the team needed. They won four straight and they won that series. 
who knows? Who knows? Brad Stevens could pull out a wild card. He might start Javante Green. He might start Romeo Langford. I mean, I don't know. I, I trust Brad Stevens, and I believe what he does will be the right move for the team. Um, it's just I don't I don't know. It, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's a good thing that it happened now, I guess, because if this happened against the Raptors, I think we'd be in a little bit more trouble. At least now against the Sixers, I'm still very confident that we could beat them. So we can experiment with lineups a little bit and see what works. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick, if I had to choose right now, hand, like gun to my head, I'd probably tell you that uh, Semi Ojale is going to start. And my that's just what I'd go with him or Grant, but semi probably because he has the more more experience there. Um, I I just I, Marcus Smart probably is the safe bet, but the, like I said, I, I just can't see him. I, I I just do not want him in the start. I want him to be coming off the bench because we need more bench presence, and Marcus Smart provides that. So they have just, to they have to figure it out now. Yeah, is is, yeah. is 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 the thing they have to do it now, and like. With Lankford, if you wanted to start him, you can just put Jalen at the three, and then yeah. you're going to start Romeo Lankford on Richardson, which is like the good matchup for him because at least he can lock down Richardson. Mm-hmm. And so. then you had, um, I mean, Jalen Brown last night. He was matched up against Al Horford a few times. Him and Tatum would be the ones defending Horford in that situation. Him, Tobias Harris, Al Horford switching off on them. So you have those defensive matchups already. But – Let's get – we'll get there when we get there. Let's just talk about the game yesterday. Celtics won 109-101 to 101 against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Gordon Hayward – well, I'll just bring him up first – had 12 points, four rebounds, three assists, four steals. Jason Tatum, star of the show – I mean, one of the stars of the show, 32 points, 13 rebounds. He is the youngest Celtics player in history to have a 30-10 and 10 playoff performance he also had three blocks Jalen Brown 29 points six rebounds four assists three steals Jalen Brown had 15 points in the fourth quarter Jace Tatum I believe had 15 points in the second quarter he had 21 points in the first half uh those guys were just on another level last night and I I really I hate it sounds selfish being like Jace Tatum and Jalen Brown need to continue to step up especially now that Hayward's out but it's really not because they're used to this, both these guys. They're used to playing with a man down, and they have to be the ones to carry the load. And, you know, from what we saw last night, they have no problems of putting the team on their shoulders and taking over a game. And I think last night was just a little taste of what we're going to get from them in this playoffs. I think that this is just the start of what they can bring to this team in games that matter the most in the playoffs and it is just it's awesome it's really sick it really is sick seeing uh these two young guys just take over games like they did last night i mean tatum had 32 but he was getting he was getting like hit hard last night the rest weren't calling anything for him he, sh- he went to the free throw line 11 times he should have went 20 times so from if i'm be- like completely honest if you watch that game he was getting hit hard there were some there were no calls he hit some shots, no and ones where it should have been. Even Doris Burke, and Doris Burke is one of the best basketball analysts, one of the best basketball announcers in the game, and she was even like, like he's not getting anything. 
Um, whether it's because of his age, he's still young, whether the refs have something against him because he is, I don't know, maybe they're not Boston fans, whatever. I don't know. Um, Jason Tatum still continued. He didn't let that get to him. He still had a great game. Uh, who, who stood out to you most last night, Ryan, obviously Jason and Jalen, but who impressed you the most? I mean, honestly, I mean, you can, our Jason Tatum had the most points. He had a fantastic showing, but yet it was Jalen Brown that stepped up for us in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'm going to have to say Jalen Brown, and just because of the start that he had to the game was so noticeable. Um, just in general, like, I I think Jalen Brown is just so good for this team. You know, you have Jason Tatum, who is the superstar of this team, but if he really is having an off night, Jalen is always going to be there, and Jalen proves that. Like, he is just honestly so consistent. Like, he's been just putting up numbers throughout the bubble and now in the first game of the postseason. But, yeah, last night he definitely stood out the most to me. Uh, when he just catches fire, he just he can't miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did go 9 for 16 last night. Um, so he um, it was efficient that he got 29 points on those 16 shots. And uh, the same thing with uh, Tatum, too. He had 32 points on 21 shots. So it just shows their um, – they're putting up good numbers on the shots that they're given. Brown had – he shot five for eight from three, too. And another thing, he shot six for six from the free throw line. Obviously, free throws is probably one of the weakest parts of his game. And to see him and Tatum – Tatum went 10 for 11. Brown went six for six. Like, you're, you're, they're getting to the line, and they're finishing. They're, they're converting. They're getting these free points. Um, That's honestly, what you want to see out of your stars, too. You want to see absolutely. that efficiency. Like, 32 points on 21 shots, that's efficient. You got, um, where is it, 29 points on 16 shots. That's efficient. That's what you want to see. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's why I'm agreeing with you that Jalen Brown had the better game because, listen, we know we expect from Jason Tatum. We know what we expect from him. 32 points, 13 – I mean, 13 rebounds is kind of a lot for him. But 32 points, that's probably something a lot of fans expected to see from him. They, they expect to see a lot of 30-point performances from Jason Tatum. But it's Jalen Brown, the guy that yeah, – I feel like even though we do talk about him a lot, he's, he doesn't get talked about enough as to the point where he should be on the same level as Jason Tatum. Like, yes, Jason Tatum is close to being a superstar. He is this and that. Jalen Brown is not far behind. He is just as important to this team as Jason Tatum is, if we're being honest. I mean, Jalen Brown has been the most consistent player all year round. He's more efficient than Jason Tatum. The percentages show it. I mean, it's just – I mean, besides free throw shooting, but that, that's, that's different. Um, and, and just to see them step up, it's genuinely fire and ice. They are genuinely like – they just fit so well together. They just – they – they bounce off each other. One of Their the best games. duos in the league right Dude, now. Dude, I mean, I say they're the best young duo in the NBA. I mean, like they're one of the best in the league. You can the argue entire league. You're gonna lose that argument, and they're becoming one of the best duos in the league. That's just how it is. And Kemba Walker, I didn't really bring him up because I wanted to save it for now. He had 19 points on seven for 16 shooting. Isn't it crazy? how when Kemba Walker signed with the Celtics, everyone thought it was going to be the Kemba Walker-Jason Tatum duo, and Kemba is kind of becoming the third option now. I mean, it was always Tatum. It started out as Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, and then it went from Tatum, Brown, Kemba, Hayward. And it's just insane that that happened in the span of one year, in one season. Jalen Brown, 
elevated himself. He stepped his game up, especially coming off of last year. I mean, we don't have to keep bringing that up, but it's just the the strides he's taken, the jump that he has taken from last year to now is just you can't you you have to recognize it. You can't ignore it, and it's just this is the start. This is they're twenty two and twenty three years old, and they're already each dropping nearly thirty points a game in the playoffs. This is going to keep happening. This this playoff series and so on. They're going to keep doing this. And, um, you know, even though Kembo dropped only 19 points last night, I do want him to be more efficient. I want him to be smarter. He shot 0 for 4 from 3, uh, from 3 last night. He shot 7 for 16. I mean, we're talking about efficiency. He dropped 19 on 16 shots. Uh, Jalen had 29 on 16 shots. Like, we can't ignore that. Kemba needs to – now that Hayward's out, those 17, 18 points need to be made up for somehow. And I think it's – at this point, like I said, we could ask Jason and Jalen to do more of it. But I think we also need to put some of that pressure on Kemba. I think we need to start seeing him put up 24, 25, like mid-20s, high-20s a game. I think that's what we need to start seeing. He came to Boston to win. He came to Boston so we can play in the playoffs, so we can show out, to show everyone why he's called Cardiac Kemba. Last night, we got the win, but we didn't see Cardiac Kemba. Now that Hayward's out, we need to start seeing Cardiac Kemba. So that is what that is the player that I'm going to be looking at the most moving forward, that Hayward's out. Um, do you, do, who, who do you think should be the one that gets um, – that people should be looking towards to step up most now that Hayward's out? I think that the player who is going to have to step up the most is going to be – in my opinion, Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope that we keep him on the bench because it's really going to just hurt the bench if we have him start, and that will hurt the team more. But with Hayward gone and, you know, Kemba doing all he can, you know, he has to start out start out a little hotter. He has to hit more of his shots. Um, Jalen being who he is and Jason being who he is, both very good players. Like, we don't have to worry about them. Um, I'm not really looking for our starting center to be putting up big numbers on the offensive side. So who's really going to have to step up is Marcus Smart, and he's going to have to just step up with scoring. I mean, he did have a couple good games throughout the bubble with scoring, but there was a lot of games where he wasn't even getting 10-plus points. So he's going to have to really step up in consistency. He's going to really have to step up in his shot selection. And, and his decision-making because he's going to have to be a really important player of this team now. You know, again, you have Kemba, who's just really going to have to work on um, hitting his shots and getting going a little bit earlier. Uh, Jason and Jalen, they can't – nothing really to change in our center. He's not going to be the one that's going to be a scorer. So Marcus Smart now has to turn into a scorer while also keeping, them, keeping that defensive player of the year mentality. Yeah, no, I like that, especially if he's still coming off the bench. He needs to be a leader um, for the team off the bench and continue to provide a spark off the bench. I mean, last night he had two points, 0 for 5 shooting, 0 for 3. I mean, I don't know how many more games of that we're going to see from him. I don't know how many scoreless games in 31 minutes we'll see from Marcus Smart. Um, but I want I also want to see, you know, with this Hayward injury, like where you're at now with prediction-wise – for not only the rest of the series, but for the playoffs. I mean, for me personally, I said the Celtics were going to win in five against the Sixers. I said they were going to win in six against Toronto. 
and I believe that they will win in seven against Milwaukee. Now with Hayward being out, I still believe that they will beat Philly in five games. I do believe that because last night, Joel Embiid started the game five for five, and then he shot 10 more shots the rest of the game. It was a close game throughout. The Celtics kind of ran away with it in the fourth quarter. But as long as they can get Joel Embiid, you know, just they they, got to know that they're going to be playing through Joel Embiid. If they can stop him and they can contain him, it's fine. That series is a wrap. Going forward is what scares me. Toronto is hard enough as it is. I think that they can still beat Toronto. I just think it's going to be a seven-game series, and I think it's going to be a lot harder, and it's going to be a lot more exhausting and tiring than it would have been if they had him. And I mean, obviously, I, that's that should be without being said, right? And then you got Milwaukee. This is assuming everything goes according to you know how it should be going. That's when it's going to be tricky because even if you get Hayward back, right, he's going to miss time for the birth of his son, so he might miss a game or two there because of that. He's coming off of a, an injury where he's going to be gone a month. He's not just going to be able to – will he get thrown back into the starting lineup? Yeah. But is he going to look exactly like he did before the injury? I can't tell you that. I don't know how he's going to perform right when he comes back. So that's where it starts to scare me. And I want to get your thoughts. Like, what do you? What, what's your thought process going at, like for the rest of the playoffs, this series, and for the rest of the playoffs as a whole? Like, do you still think we can make it as far as the finals now without him for these next two rounds at least, or, or do you think we're going to lose? Well, to start, what we have to keep doing, or what the team has to keep doing, is just really double teaming Joel Embiid when he's not looking. Uh, the thing that they did very well in the first game against them was double teaming and when he isn't looking they have usually like Marcus Smart or whoever the off-ball defender is uh, to come off their man while he's obviously looking away and come to double him so if they can continue to do that that's going to help them um, a lot throughout this series Um, and that will be really one of the x factors to this series considering how big Joel Embiid is you know you saw last night he was just backing Tice up into the post, and Tice really got angry with it because he didn't know what to do. And then when they made the change and they started to double-team, it really uh, messed up Embiid's game. So they're going to have to keep doing that, and I'm glad they figured that early and um, figured that out early in the series. Uh, for the rest of the postseason, though, I see us. It should be going six games max in this series. If they can keep doing what they did to Embiid last night, that's really going to help them. That will take away their best player. And then after that, you have to figure out all the other role players that they have, like Thibault and all that. Um, Going into the second round, it's going to be really tough with Toronto. I don't know how we're going to match up with that. Um, Obviously, Kemba can match up on Lowry. We can have Tice match up on Siakam or Tatum match up on Siakam. And then other than that, it's um figuring out the role players, but I I see that going seven games. I still think we can go past Toronto, go and play Milwaukee, still make it to the finals, but realistically, it's going to be tough to make it to the finals now. You know, with Gordon Hayward, you have so many threats on the floor, you know, with just losing that one threat, it, it makes a 
hell of a different story. It really does because that's one more scoring threat that that's taken away. And, and another uh, thing one more you, threat on defense too. Yeah, you're not just missing out on the scoring. Obviously, 17 points, 18 points is hard to make up for, but you're also losing the team's best playmaker, in my opinion. I think Gordon Hayward is the best playmaker on the Celtics, so you're losing that as well. It's, you're losing multiple at you're losing multiple key parts of the Celtics offense here. Yep, and his ability to drive and kick definitely. He's very he's been very good at that. He's been very good at just driving in general. He's been really good at getting that confidence back. But with Milwaukee now, it's going to be really tough. Like they yes, they can still make it to the finals just based off of how well Tatum and Jalen can play together and if they're going to be a duo that's putting up at least 28 and 32, like you know what I mean, both of them, you know, Jalen puts up at least 28 a game. Jason at least 32. If that's how it's going to go, then so be it. They can still make it to the finals. It's just going to be a tougher path. And Mm -hmm. this team is, you know, they are more built for this than what people think. Like Jason Tatum, it's only, what, his third season? But yet he already has the experience, more experience than half the league in the playoffs. He's been to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals against the best player in the league. And then Jason uh, Jalen Brown is the same thing. He has just as much as, as experience in the playoff as Jason Tatum. So at least both of them are built. Yes, they still have young guys around them. Yes, Kemba Walker, uh, he hasn't been to the NBA playoffs as much as you'd like. But if you look back at his college experience, he's built for this too. So they have a team that is definitely built to still make it to the finals. Again, yes, Gordon Hayward's going to lose. Uh, it's going to hurt losing Gordon Hayward. But Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, the big three right there can roll them right into the finals. Yeah, and this isn't their first go-around, especially dealing with injuries. I mean, Jason Tatum's rookie year, Jalen's sophomore year, in that playoff run where they made it to Game 7, they were without uh, number 11 <laughs> and Gordon Hayward. I think we talked about this last week. There, that that name is not going to be uh, is banned from this podcast. So I'll refer to him as number eleven. <laughs> and Gordon Hayward, they were without him. And then last year, I mean, they just high expectations led to nothing. All season long, they've dealt with someone being hurt, whether it was Gordon or Kemba or even Jalen missed a few games. These guys are equipped. They know what it's like to play with a man down. They know what it's like. They know how to step up. They know what they have to do when someone goes down. It's so unfortunate because I feel like every year it's always something like it's we finally get everyone healthy and then this happens in game one. Like it just sucks. But this isn't new for the Celtics. This isn't – they know how to move forward. They know what they're going to have to do to pick up the slack and to carry on. And you're right. Jalen and Jason are going to have to continue playing like they did last night. I can see them averaging together probably around 55, 60 points a game. Kemba Walker is built for this. He has been in the playoffs. He's been in the playoffs twice, not including this year. He's been in the playoffs twice in his career. And he hasn't been able to do much because he was in Charlotte. But now is the time for him to step up. Now is the time for him to show everyone why he came to Boston. This is why he came to Boston, to be in the playoffs to step up, to be Cardiac Kemba. That's what we need to see. This team is still very much equipped to make it to the finals. This is what this team is made for. And losing Goran Hayward, it just makes things tougher, but I still have the utmost confidence that the team can make it that far. 
So now it's just take it game by game, see what happens, mess with the lineups if you have to. We'll see who Brad Stevens starts tomorrow. We won't find out until like five minutes before tip-off. But, um, yeah, we just got to trust in our coach, trust our players, and just keep moving forward. Yep, that's that's all we got to do. I mean, there's not much else you can do, you know. Um, the team oh. that they have is the team that they wanted to have all season, and they were aware if they got to a situation like this, uh, what they would need out of their players. So now they're in this situation, and now they know what's expected of them. Exactly. So like I said, just take it game by game, see what happens. They're, they're up one nothing in the series. Just I don't want them seeing – uh, them tying this. I want to see Philly tying the series one one. I want to see the Celtics need to keep their foot on the gas pedal, keep it going, um, and just don't let up. Just go in smart uh, with a game plan. Stop Joel and Bead, and everything else will come come to fruition. So uh, that's really all I have to say. I mean, we gave our predictions. We talked about Hayward, all this stuff. Ryan, do you have any uh, last words uh, before we end this? I do. There was something I saw earlier, a graphic from at buckets on Instagram. Um, and it was talking about the top 10 duos in the playoffs mm-hmm. or the top 10 scariest duos in the playoffs. And I wanted to tell you the list real quick from one through 10. So the first duo is LeBron and AD. Then it goes Kawhi and PG, then Giannis and Chris then Luka and KP, then Dame and CJ, then Jokic and Murray, then Harden and Russ, then Lowry and Siakam, then Jimmy and Bam, and then Mitchell and Gobert. And if you're telling me that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum don't fit somewhere in there better than one of those duos, then I don't know what you're on. Because What was – um? where was uh, – repeat to me the second half of the list from six down. So from six down, it's Jokic and Murray, Harden and Russ, Lowry and Siakam, Jimmy and Bam, and Mitchell and Gobert. They are definitely better than the bottom three you just mentioned. I definitely would take them over yes. Lowry, Siakam, Jimmy, Bam, and um, Mitchell Gobert. I'd argue that Harden Westbrook is actually ahead of Jokic and Murray. Yes, they are. Yeah, and I, I was think about that to say the Celtics that. should be ahead of Murray and Jokic as well. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, that's – that's a bad list. Yeah. I think no. top five is solid. I think top five is respectable. Yeah. Uh, but, but other I'd, than that, I'd probably, I honestly would probably put Jalen Jason at like six or seven to be completely honest with you. This last had us this. Oh my God. I was trying to make a joke. This list <laughs> had us in the first half. Not going to lie. Then they, they, then they messed it up in the second. They lost us there. <laughs> they, they lost us. Dude, I had, to, I had to say that so straightforward. I was stuttering so much. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, no, definitely Jalen, the two Jays, man, they're definitely better than half the second half of that list. Honestly, dude, I'm fine with it at this point. They want to sleep on them. They want to talk down on them. They want to not consider them being one of the top duos in the league, whatever. Go for it. That doesn't bother us. We know what they bring to the table, and we know that they're better than them. So, so be it. Yep. So, be it is right. And when they win the championship and we laugh in your face and we show you who the best duo is, you'll be crying. They will be crying. And we will, they be, will laughing, be crying. And we will yep. be celebrating. Yep. But that is it for uh, this episode of Chasing Banners. This was episode 13. Shout out Marcus Morris, who is doing his thing out in L.A. It would be really nice to have someone like Marcus Morris right now. Um, 
but unfortunately he is not in Boston anymore. Uh, unfortunately, I really wish he was, but can't do anything about it. So shout out Marcus Morris though. You are a baller when you were in Boston, you were awesome. Um, my name is Dante Toro. You can follow me on Twitter at Dante on deck there. You can find just about everything about you can find out everything about me you can find my blog the podcast at chasing banners at hoops caviar which is our other basketball podcast you can find my blog also you can find my youtube channel that i'm trying to work on right now also i'm working on a website so i am currently in the middle of doing that i am not tech savvy is probably going to take a little bit but i'm getting there and when that is up and running it'll be much easier for people to find me just everything there um but in the meantime you can just follow me on twitter i would love you forever ryan why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and where they can follow you i am at 401 sheehan on twitter is where you can find me talking about the celtics uh the pats a lot too also just all the uh silly stuff that i put on there i'm talking about a lot of stuff a lot of the time (laughs) so a lot uh, of stuff a lot yeah so a lot uh, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, you can also find the page to my own personal podcast, which is called Sheehan's World, at Sheehan's World Pod on Instagram. I'm currently taking a break from doing the pod and trying to find ways to make it better, trying to bring it to YouTube. And I'm trying to make a whole Sheehan's World website and YouTube. So there's that. And then we have Hoops Caviar. Uh, and you can also find that on Twitter. And then obviously this. So, yeah, there's that. Also, a uh, shout out to the Boston Bruins for all the Bruins fans out there. They were down 0-2 in the in the third period, and they scored four straight goals, and they end up winning 4-3. That was pretty sick to watch last night. Uh, so, shout out Bruins. At least we have another Boston playoff team doing well as uh, doing well as well. And screw the Red Sox, they suck. Uh, but yeah, so that was my. Uh, that's it for Boston Sports, the Boston Sports recap from me. But thank you guys for listening. Much love. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and go Celtics. Go Celtics. Peace.